we're talking Hocus Pocus 2 tonight. Yes. I have thoughts, <laughs> which is why we have this podcast, of course. Okay, well, let me, uh, do you want me to do the intro? Yeah, if you want to do the intro. Give me a second to remember <laughs> everything. I can okay. <laughs> okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Your Little Sisters Presents Missed Opportunities. Today, we are talking about Hocus Pocus 2, which is on Disney+. Plus. It just came out for this spooky season. Let us uh, know what you think about the movie <laughs> on our social media. We have Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, not Pinterest, Patreon, <laughs> and YouTube. I got I got so far that time. I was doing so well. <laughs> Keep practicing. I've only done it like 110 times. It's fine. <laughs> I think it's because the one time like I really started to mess it up and then I'm like, oh, I just always mess it up. And now that's like stuck in my brain. <laughs> that you always have to mess it up. But that's a good idea. We should get a Pinterest. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Happy accident. But we have a Patreon. Yeah. We do have a Patreon. It is Taya Joy Flake. Uh, sorry, patreon.com slash Taya Joy Flake. And uh, you can t- click on either our YouTube channel or this podcast. And that is $5 a month. You get lots of extra goodies, exclusive episodes you can't get anywhere else, and additional content that you can't get anywhere else. Is the Tristan episode up on Patreon yet? Uh, no, it is not. <laughs> but it will be by the time this comes out. So I will say yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> For all those who don't know, we did the Men of Gilmore Girls and the Tristan episode. He got his own episode for about 20 minutes or so. Is only available on Patreon at patreon.com slash Flake. So if you're interested in Gilmore Girls and want to hear our hot take on Tristan, go ahead and check that out. All right, so let's get into tonight. What did you think of Hocus Pocus 2? Let's remember when we've gone through a few different formats on our podcast for reviewing movies. Remember when we used to just start at the beginning and kind of go through our problems? I think that's the best way to do for this one because I don't think problems I have later will make sense. Or problems I have will make sense unless we've explained earlier plot things. Okay. So um, we can give a really quick summary. Uh, so if you haven't seen the first movie, you have to watch it. But basically, these three witches uh, come back to Salem and terrorize, and they get defeated by some teenagers. So in the this next uh, installment, <laughs> we have um, a bookstore owner who or we have a magic store owner magic store yeah but first we see the sisters um when they're young when when they're little um and i love back in salem like we're talking puritan days salem right and the puritans and pilgrims have a hard time with winifred trying to force her to marry and then when she refuses because she's independent or whatever, um, they try to take away her sisters. And do you want to talk about that scene or do you want to do a whole summary? Let's do a really quick summary. 
So we see, okay. we see them when they're young, they're in this town or village, I don't know what you call it, but with Puritans and Winifred, refused, who's the oldest sister, refuses to get married, try to take the sisters, they run away, they stumble upon a witch, and that's when they get their magic book and des- decide to become a coven of witches and wreak havoc on Salem and basically give in to their evil side and mis- mischievous side and all that. You fast forward to modern day and there's a couple teenage girls. I, I remember Becca, but I cannot for the life of me remember the other girl's name. It's like Izzy or Lizzie or something like that. And then there was Cassie. Yeah. And I think honestly, the only reason I remember Cassie's name is because they say it so I think they say that name more often than any other per- character's name. Probably. Gabe or Gabriel. I think Gabriel's name gets said more. So they come, so they're at the magic shop. They're friends with Gabriel, who's the owner of the magic shop. He gives them the candle. Gilbert. Gilbert, not Gabriel. See, okay. I thought I remembered <laughs> his name. <laughs> Gilbert. Like yes. what's eating Gilbert grape. Anyway, uh, it's Becca's birthday and she huh. has a tradition of going in the woods and doing, making a wish with a candle. Gilbert tricks them by giving them a black flame candle, which, as you remember from the first movie, is what brought the Sanderson sisters back the first time. So they light it. They bring the Sanderson sisters back. Hijinks ensue of them trying to tell them they're not actually teenagers, leading them to a Walgreens, telling them that the youth beauty products actually have youth souls in them. They go on this whole thing. The witches, the they're trying to keep the witches from killing them or any other children. So that they can, if you remember from the first one, again, they have to get the souls of some at least one young person so that they can stay and not just disappear when the black flame candle goes out. So they're running around trying to not let the witches accomplish this. In the meantime, they do put a curse of some sort on Gilbert that he has to get this these potion ingredients yeah. for them so they, or, they, the or witches- he dies. So the witches decide that they are done with um, just trying to, after the whole Walgreens incident, they decide that they're they're sick of being tricked by teenagers. And so they decide that they're going to do a spell that they specifically promised when they were given the book that they would never do. And the book really doesn't want them to do the spell and keeps warning them not to do the spell. And they decide to do it anyway. And the spell requires several ingredients, including the blood of their enemy, who they decide is the mayor because he was the Puritan that um, condemned Winnie and uh, banished her and tried to take her sisters from her. So that well, they, he, that's he what they consider. Yeah. He himself so, is not, but his ancestor was. Yeah. So his ancestor, so the ancestor was their enemy. So they're going to attack the mayor. And then Gilbert has a spell put on him that he will collect all of the other ingredients. One of which is the head of the lover, which is considered Billy from the first movie. Um, he's a zombie that Winifred wakes up to chase after the original kids. Well, now he's awake and he's helping Gilbert because Gilbert lies and tells him that they're going to try and kill Winnie. But um, so there, so you have the witches who are trying to get the blood of their enemy, which they've decided is the mayor. You have Billy and Gilbert trying to get the rest of the ingredients. And then you have the three girls um, trying to stop it all. So that's kind of the, 
the whole thing. And then it climaxes with them. Gilbert gets all the ingredients, including the head of the enemy, because Billy finds out, tries to run away, but he's a zombie and he gets his head taken off. (laughs) And then um, the three witches end up uh, stuck in the garage of the mayor. Then they figure out a way to get out of that. They kidnap Cassie, who is the mayor's daughter, because she also has the blood of the reverend that they're mad at. So they uh, do that. And then Book um, decides that he doesn't want to be with Winnie anymore. He wants to be with the new teenage girls uh, because she finds out she is also a witch, just like Winnie. And her two friends are her coven. And the book, uh, because Winnie has done this spell, despite the book's warning, the book goes with this new coven. And then um, they finally... The spell is to make them all powerful, which kind of, it comes with a big warning that they overlook, but the book doesn't want them to do the spell and it keeps opening to the warning page instead of the page for the spell to make them all powerful. They end up actually being able to do the spell or Winifred is able to do the spell because she's the lead witch. And then Becca reads the warning, which is if you do the spell, there's a price to pay and it's what you love most or what you value the most will be taken from you. So she goes to try to warn them, but it's a bit too late. Winifred loses her sisters. She gets very sad. It's a great acting moment from Bette Midler. We'll definitely talk about it when it comes time because I have thoughts, but great acting moment from Bette Midler because she's always fantastic. And she asks if there's any way to reverse it so that her sister, she can have her sisters back. Book opens up to a page. Becca and her two friends do the spell. And instead of bringing the sisters back, it sends Winifred to where they have gone. And the three girls are friends. They kind of had a little teenage drama going on with Cassie, the two girls and Cassie, but now they've mended it for the most part. And it ends happy with them being a little witch coven and the book being with them and Gilbert still being alive and able to run his magic shop. Oh, and Billy finally gets his eternal rest because now that Winifred is for sure gone, I guess he also gets to be for sure gone because her magic has no more hold over him. Yeah. And then there's an after credit scene of Gilbert's cat being up on the shelf by a box marked black flame candle number two. So they're leaving the the possibility for a third one in the future. Yeah, exactly. So starting at the beginning when they're young, I thought that went on for way too long. And it wasn't. Okay. So I'm (laughs) going to, I'm going to talk about this. Uh, So, okay. So, In the early 2000s, the 90s, 80s, whatever, um, we had what I like to call kind of like organic shows where people were just kind of normal and then funny things would happen or something supernatural would happen, whatever. But they were pretty much normal people doing normal things, living normal lives. (laughs) And, um, And they just happened to be funny or funny things happen to happen to them or something like that. Nowadays, we don't really have that. Like if you look at TV shows, and I think the best example of this is Boy Meets World, which was a show. And then they revived it with Girl Meets World. And Girl Meets World took place in um, like the 2000, I think, 17 around there. Those nowadays 
no longer really have a teen category. I feel like teen shows are for adults. Like there's way too much explicit content, way too uh, sexualization of teenagers, stuff like that, which I consider pretty, you know, like adult, not adult. Yeah, it's adult themed. It's way too mature for actual teenagers. And they're always adults playing teenagers. None of them have teenage bodies, you know. And um, so we either have that or we have this middle grade, which middle grade is 10 through 12 uh, audience. And it's of teenagers, but it's silly and laughing and and it is um, dumb. Like it's it's dumb humor that, you know, a 12 year old would find funny. <laughs> um, and we don't have anything in between that's actually for teenagers. We have um, dumbed down stuff that's for, you know, the t- 10 to 12 year old. And we have adult theme stuff. And I feel like that teen era, like that teen uh, genre has completely gone out the window recent in like in the last 10 years. And I think that this, <laughs> this movie really highlights that in the fact that Hocus Pocus one was very much just an organic movie. It had its cheesy moments and things like that, but it was very geared towards teenagers and young teenage, old teenagers, whatever, but it was just very organic with supernatural things happening. Um, whereas this movie is a lot like the reboot of Boy Meets World, which is Girl Meets World, which is a dumbed down show. And this is just, it's, it's cute and it's funny. And I did enjoy a lot of it. Like it, cause it's just charming, but it's dumb. Like, and the beginning scene <laughs> is probably the dumbest of all. Because you have these child actors who are overacting too, like, so much. Like, well, they have been acting like the adult witches that we met in Hocus Pocus 1. They're, they're, they're mimicking, and they did a pretty good job, but it was over the top, and their children, actors, and children right. don't have so much life experience. But they did a good job yeah. of mimicking body movements and weight patterns of speech and whatnot, but who... I don't have the same body movements and patterns of speech from when I was young. (laughs) Well, I don't have have any problems from like two years ago. You know, you grow as a person. I didn't think that the opening scene needed a lot of what they had, honestly. If they wanted to do an opening scene when they were young, I would have had cut to them already being on the run from the village or already being on the outskirts of the village. And then just maybe the sister's complaining, like, if only you had married what's-his-face, like, the reverend wanted you to, you know, they could have cut three-fourths of that out. I agree. And I, I, no way blaming the kids for overacting, because that, they did a good job. Yeah, this style that they were doing is what I have a problem with. And they did the style very well. They did middle grade, (laughs) middle grade comedy, which is kind of like theatrical play comedy. Like, like that you would see in like a play because you have to be over exaggerated for the people in the back. That is something that Disney Channel is very well known for, like the overacting in their dumbed down shows. The problem is, is that they used to have dumbed down shows for middle grade. They used to have teenage organic shows for teenagers and then college level shows for adult and, you know, college age and adult. And now they, they like took that middle part out. And so when you try and redo Hocus Pocus, which was in that middle part, now you have to have 
the dumbed down, <laughs> overacting, Disney-ified, like Disney Channel movie uh, style of acting. And then the kids did a really good job of oh, yeah. I, I never, never bl- blame child actors and only very rarely do I blame adult actors <laughs> because there's so many more people and moving parts than actors that go into movies. They're just what we see. But I never blame ch- child actors for anything. They really did do a very good job. I could tell how they were being directed. They did a very good job. I could see where they got the parts. I just, it, good performance or not, it went on too long. It was a very long intro when it could have been, no, knowing that it could have been three quarters of the way shorter than what it was. And we could have got, we would have gotten the same information and the same effect. Yeah. For it sure. just seemed to drag on. I I also have a problem with the movie overall. So I'm going to start saying it here. Because in the first Hocus Pocus, which is one of my favorite Halloween movies, I, I watch it every year for Halloween. It, no matter how many times I watch it, I can feel the stakes in the movie. It feels real to me. It feel, There's a sense of urgency. It feels as though every you know the witches are trying to do something and Max and Danny and Thackeray and What's the girl's name? Or am I forgetting her name? The other girl. Allison. Uh, Allison. Thank you so much. Allison and everyone else. You know, they're doing, they're actively always trying to do something, trying to thwart one another. I can feel the danger. In this movie, I felt no sense of urgency. Didn't really feel that the stakes were all that high. Didn't feel as though the plot was moving forward very quickly. It just felt like a lot of okay, we're going to do a scene here, and now we're going to go do a scene over here, and now we're going to have a scene here. That's how it felt to me, especially in comparison, which you have to know when you do a sequel, it's going to be compared to the first movie. Yeah. Especially in comparison to the first movie. The first movie had a lot more ground to cover, and they were able to do it very well because they didn't do anything unnecessary. They didn't make it longer than... We get an opening scene in the past in the first movie as well. It doesn't go on too long. When we start the first one, Emily's already basically at their cottage. Like, she's walking into the woods. And Thackeray follows her, and we get an opening scene, but it doesn't feel too long. It feels just enough for what information for what we need, because he gets turned into the cat, and we see them hanged and do the curse. And, and then they go throughout the rest of the movie. But in this one, it just felt like a lot of nothing was happening. There were so many times when I'm, the girls were just standing there, or the witches were just, and I'm like, do something. Well, and I think one of the problems that I had or or that really were glaring is the difference between the first, like the difference between those first opening scenes is the fact that you feel something for Thackeray, like immediately he failed his family. And then his father is like, before he hangs the witches, he's like, tell me, what did you do with my son? And they're like, oh, oh, cat's got my tongue, you know, and, and laughing. And you really feel bad for Thackeray Binks and you feel bad for his family that he's going to have to leave and he has to live on forever. And he lost his little sister. Like there was funny witches, but there was also genuine like sadness in the story. And there was actual emotion in the story. In this opening... I didn't feel bad for the witches because they're evil. And I didn't like the Puritan people who were like, don't talk. Like you should never talk to a man that way. And then they're like attacking the witches and, 
and trying to separate them from their sisters to to make the sisters um set right and stuff like that and i just i don't i don't like who are you supposed to be rooting for like are you supposed to be rooting for the witches that we already know are evil and kill children or are we supposed to be rooting for the puritans who they are clearly making out to be the bad guys in that scene and it's like that like there's no real emotion it's it's entertaining but there's no emotion connected to it and one of the things that i also someone brought up um on tiktok was um the costuming of the witches and they they specifically looked at sarah and sarah's costume is mostly brown with kind of pink tendencies you know like and but it's dirty and it's it's like she's been rolling around in the hay or in the dirt and you know she like their their house is little cowboys like she's a witch in this one she is very beautiful her costume is very beautiful it's very well put together they look like and they they actually have a a moment where they're in like a drag Costume costume contest and they don't win but i'm like honestly they look like they're in costume. They look like they're playing those characters, not they are those characters. So I think that was the disconnect is that there's not real emotion. And even in the costuming, there's no realism, you know, like we believed that Thackeray Banks got turned into a cat. So when the cat starts talking, like it's not a stupid animal talking trope, (laughs) you know, it is, it is a, a sad story about a boy who, had to watch his family die and couldn't tell them who he, where he was and a family who thought their son was gone forever. Like they found the daughter of their body, but then their son was just gone forever. Like that's so sad and emotional. And even though you have these witches laughing and there's a ton of funny moments in Hocus Pocus, like, but you, they didn't miss the, the emotional parts. I feel like this one missed the emotional parts because it's, the first two scenes I think are the perfect example of that. And then when you move on to the scenes where the black flame candle gets lit, I think that you, you have the same problem, but they tried a little bit with. Not being friends with Cassie anymore. So Cassie got a boyfriend and has kind of been ignoring them for a few months is, is what we're told. And so they go out to do this birthday ritual, which they do in the same woods that the um, witches got the book from, which they learned is like a holy place for witches. And that scene, you know, Gilbert gives her the candles. She goes out, they light it, the flame turns black. And they know what that means because they've been around the magic shop for years. And so they know that a black flame candle means that the witches are coming back. So they freak out a little bit. And that scene versus the scene with Max and Allison and Danny, where they like are going around trick-or-treating or whatever. They're not trick-or-treating. Danny was trick-or-treating. They go to the party. And then they go to the witches, the old museum that has been shut down because spooky things happen there. Like that has like intensity in it. And you have Danny like, don't do it. Like, don't do it. And the, and then him, you know, of course, lighting it because he's a punk teenager and the little girl. Girl, yeah. And um, the, the feeling is extremely different. Also, 
So in this movie, they touch the book a lot. They talk about the book. The book becomes a friend to them. I Do they to remember what the book it's is bound, made of? It's bound in human flesh by yes. the devil himself, wasn't it? Yes. It's bound and then in like, the black cream candle. The black green candle that Gilbert made, he learned from the book how to make it, was made from the fat of a hangman. Like a person. He had to go out and find a person who'd been hanged. Not just one, but he, enough to make two candles, apparently. At least. Like, <sighs> they just kind of skip over that. Like, this, this gross, spooky stuff that was in the first one. The, like, the thing that made it serious. These are evil people. Like, the things that made it serious, they just, like, glance over. Like, oh, the book was only evil because Winifred used it evilly. No, the book was made by the devil. Out Found of human, human skin. skin. It's gross. Stop touching it. And, and another, well, another thing is, in the first one, we see them actively try to harm children. Yes, they throw some lightning bolts and stuff at the girls, but it feels way too late in the movie. And also, it's the Becca finds out that she can do shields with her magic and mm-hmm. also do some lightning back, apparently, because she's a witch. And on your 16th birthday is when you come into learning you're a witch, I guess. Very Sabrina the Teenage Witch of them, by the way. That's like the first yeah. episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Her 16th birthday, she finds out she's a witch. Also, when the witches come back, they light the candle and the witches come back and they immediately burst into a musical number. Yeah, what was that about? I have no idea. I mean, yes, I love Bette Miller. Please let her sing all the songs always because she's a fantastic performer. But but not here. No. Why? Stop. What and they make it some they try to make it something funny. The girls are like, Who are they performing for? And then the witch jumps in front of them, you ha 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 ha, and all that. But yeah, like they there's no real urgency. Like, um, Gilbert brings them back and he's like, I've wanted to bring you back for like this whole time because apparently he saw them when he was a kid and he wanted to bring them back, but he couldn't, and so he tricked. Uh, Becca into lighting the black flame candle and all that and he was so excited to have them back and then they threatened to kill him if he doesn't get the ingredients and they put a spell on him binding him that you know if he doesn't he will die that, like he does all of this research for them and he never like in 29 years has never figured out hey they're evil and like eat children and that's what, what the they're going to want of, to do what the candle what the, that the book is made by the devil himself found in human skin that the candles the fat from a hangman that they it's literally evil. suck the souls out of children, out of children. and that's one yeah, other they thing children. they kidnap they, children last time they were there they put children in cages I mean those teenage bullies were bullies and all that but they still put minors in cages they kidnapped the not Emily the little sister Danny yeah. the little sister they start to kill Max at the end the only thing that saved them was the son I didn't understand why exactly he would be obsessed with them. I mean, yes, he was dressed as a wizard for Halloween. I was thinking maybe he was wanted to be part of a coven. If I were writing, not just me, you and me, because we write together. If we were writing Gilbert, we would have given him a reason to be so obsessed with the Sanderson sisters. Either he himself is evil in some way, or there is an obsession blinding him to their evil ways. All they gave... All they gave him to say was they're misunderstood. They were way ahead of their time. No. 
No, they were not ahead of their time. <laughs> they well, weren't suffragette women fighting for women's rights. They were literally killing children and wreaking all sorts of havoc and not caring about people's lives or feelings or anything and had a book that was made by the devil and worshiped the devil. With Gilbert and and the way that he idolizes them is he knows all the stuff and he thinks, oh, they're before their time and stuff like that. And then the it, the movie ends with this new coven of witches and it's like okay are they going to suck the life like what are they going to do with that book like there is nothing in that book that is good that is no. going to make them good people you know what I mean like I mean I'm not I'm, I don't know I'm not like crazy into oh you know witchcraft is real and so we shouldn't idolize it but I also think like just just within this story like I don't I don't think that telling 16-year-old girls that it's okay to be like to have a book that the devil made, you know? Like well, even in, like even in the universe there's no good in that book. There's no magic that solves world hunger or helps people and Winifred just glanced over it and didn't want to do that no there's horrible evil things in that book and that's all that's in there because it's an evil book that was the point of the book in the first movie is that it was evil and that's okay like it's okay to have evil objects you know and so I don't know that really bothered me just overall and and his character especially because when he gets oh one more thing I wanted to say before that, which ties into it, is the fact that Mary and them keep talking about how they want to eat the the children, like the teenagers, and like, I'm going to shish kebab you, or oh, we're going to fricassee, and, and then it's like, that's not what they did, that's not what no. we've seen them do, we've seen them suck out the souls of the children, and leave them empty husks, like, they're dead and gone and their souls created youth for the um, witches. And so when we see them talking about eating children, whether that's something that they did or whatever like that, I would totally believe it of them in the first movie. But in this movie, it's just like, it's such an empty threat is what it feels like. It feels like the way that they say it so casually is dumbed down what we saw, like the horrific things that we saw them do in the first movie you know what I mean? Like it just took it from a, oh my gosh, this is scary and sad. And Thackeray is forever um, separated from his little sister because he can't die and be with her. Like real sad stuff. And then we have Gilbert who saw the witches one night, decided to study up on them, decided after studying up on them, oh, they're just misunderstood and were treated poorly. <laughs> like, and were being forced into marriage to somebody that they didn't like. And then they were going to be separated. So poor witches, you know, like I just, well, and then I don't know if we want to just skip to the end, but the, <laughs> on the same line, Winifred in the first movie betrays her sisters like yes. straight up betrays her sisters and is happy to have them dead if she can live and be powerful. And yes, it's only like a second. It's not a long, it's not a long time that she has this um, idea or whatever. 
but she does like she makes that decision and it shows and so the entire ending of this movie makes no sense it makes no sense because she doesn't like it talks about like at the beginning how much she loves her sisters and then at the end how much she loves her sisters but you're forgetting the first book or first movie (laughs) yeah like except for the fact that she's already made this decision like if there had been they needed to address it i guess is what what i'm saying is that they needed to address the fact like hey you chose like power over your sisters once are you going to do it again what are the actual ramifications of it you know what i mean like maybe let her sit in it for a couple of minutes at least and then decide i really want my sisters back (laughs) you know like rather than oh they're gone well i love them so much let me go too you know it and (laughs) it just it just didn't hit it was very out of character. And here, slight tangent, I am very, very, very sick and tired of people trying to make you feel compassion for evil people. Here's the thing. You should feel compassion for everyone. I'm a very big believer in that we should be compassionate. Yes, a lot of people who do horrible things had horrible past. I also am a big believer in, but you choose your own actions, especially once you get into adulthood and you should have, you know, your frontal lobe is there and you have more opportunities in front of you to control your life than when you're a child. Winifred is not a sympathetic villain. She's not one of those anti-heroes. When I think an anti-hero... I think this is kind of lame, but I think Damon from Vampire Diaries (laughs) because he does some really, really horrible, awful things. And then he also shows how broken and hurt he is. And then he does some good things. And so he's one of those definitions of, okay, well, do I like him and cheer for him on? Or do I hate him because of he keeps messing up and making mistakes, but he helps out the good guys. And sometimes he's the bad guy. Winifred has been just a bad guy. Her entire goal has been to amass power by sucking the souls of children. That is Winifred. And to try and take a character like that and I, I want to say humanize because she's a witch, but I guess witches are human with power. Well, it, is still, it is still humanizing because yeah, it's humanizing someone who we know has murdered in the past, we know has betrayed her sisters for power in the past, who would gladly, at the very least, kill children again very gladly do that she has taken over the minds of people and they would have danced to death they took over the minds of the dance party to help them find or the people at the fair to help them find the mayor she has done truly evil things it is okay to have a character who went down the wrong path and show that they just went that they went down the wrong path and that they make wrong choices on purpose, that they make evil choices on purpose. She knows she's evil. She revels in being evil. She likes being evil. And it is okay to have a character who has just chosen evil as their way of life and to show good triumph, being triumphant over it. It is okay to have Maleficent be the mistress of evil. And not have this tragic backstory past, just her wanting to be evil and living that life. Because sometimes in life, you're going to find people who have chosen to do bad things in their life of their own free will. And we have to, we want to give people hope that the, want to give people hope that good can triumph over evil because I believe ultimately it can and it does. But if we keep 
taking villains who are iconic and trying to give them these humanizing stories where we try to have compassion for them. If you teach that to children, just for an example, what if in real life they meet someone who has very bad intentions and they're like, well, just tell me about your, your torrid past or about your not torrid past Trump traumatic past. Tell me about what trauma you've encountered. Tell me why you are the way you are. Well, and especially as women, they're not going to stop to tell you about their their trauma from their childhood. They're going to kill you with an axe. (laughs) Well, and that's the whole, I mean, think about as a single person, think about, I just watched, um, he's just not that into you. And the entire course of that movie is we are told as young women that when men, uh, when little boys have a crush on us, they're going to poke us and they're going to prod us and, and, you know, and tease us or whatever and then we grow up thinking that if a man treats us like crap that means he likes us and and put taking that idea and putting it in this situation where if you keep thinking that every villain in a kid's story has these redeeming qualities because of their traumatic past then you then men typically get the savior complex or the superhero complex where, Oh, you're such a sweet girl. I can fix you. Even though you break my heart every other day and women think, Oh, I can fix him. You know, like, and it's like, that's how people get into the abusive relationships. That's how they get into toxic relationships is because they keep thinking, you know, the villain who is evil for the sake of being evil is so overdone. And nobody, nobody likes that people like great characters, people like humanized. And it's like, I don't think that's true. (laughs) I honestly think that's not true. And we've talked about it with um, Maverick or Top Gun Maverick. We don't know who those bad guys are. They just say they're the bad guys. And that's all we needed to know about them because it so serves no purpose to be like, well, they're just misunderstood. You know, they wanted to build that secret base for, for personal reasons you know like no they were the bad guys the story that we were telling had nothing to do with who the bad guys were it was just defeating the bad guys and that's okay this hocus pocus one was about that evil witches who are very entertaining witches but they were evil defeating them was the point of the movie and max learning to like salem and forgiving his parents for making him move and realizing that he really did love his little sister even though she was annoying like that was the point of that movie it was max's journey into adulthood and and into coming of age that's what it is it was max's coming of age and it just happened to involve very entertaining witches you know (laughs) and that's what this story is missing is it's trying so hard to humanize Winifred and make it seem like, oh, she's she loves her sister so much. And that's why she turned evil was to, to keep her sisters with her. And it was because those Puritans were just sexist and wanted to force a 16 year old girl to marry the boy that she didn't love. She loved Billy Butcherson, and <laughs> even though they only kissed once, you know, like. I, I think that they did it very entertainingly. I think it's cute. I don't hate this movie by any means. I just don't think it has any lasting power. It will not, nobody will watch this movie and be affected by it in a good way. Whereas I feel like Hocus Pocus 1 was very relatable. And even though we don't have witches following us, big brothers can always like love, like learn to love their annoying little sisters. And as a little sister, I appreciate that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we are both, and, if you can't tell from our title, <laughs> we are both little sisters. <laughs> yes, we are the both, we are both the youngest in our family. So we're both the youngest having, of four, 
with two brothers and one sister. It's kind of creepy how yeah. close that is. <laughs> anyway, but, so, yeah, I just, I have a hard time with this movie. Like, I, I don't hate this movie. It's cute. You know, fun see, Halloween movie. Really differ because I, okay, I have this weird thing. Even when I was the age for Disney Channel, I will admit, I watched Lizzie McGuire. I watched That's So Raven. I think I watched a little bit of Even Steven, but honestly, I don't, I never watched Hannah Montana. I never, I never got into any other Disney Channel anything. I remember uh, I had to travel to California to visit family, family that I don't see very often at all. And I was 11 or 12 when I get there and they had a daughter. These cousins had a daughter who was my age and she wanted to watch High School Musical. And then they had like an eight-year-old daughter who wanted to watch Treasure Planet. Guess which movie I chose? Treasure Planet. Because I did not like High School Musical. I never got in really into the High School Musical phase. I saw it way long after it had first premiered because my friend really wanted me to sit down and watch. And so she made sure I was over for dinner one night when it was on Disney Channel again so I could watch it. And then my high school did the stage version of it. So I watched that. I think that was 10th grade, 9th or 10th grade for me that they did that. And he, uh, I I never really liked the Disney Channel, how cheesy it was. I, it annoyed me since I was the age that I was targeted for. Part of it might be because I I am the youngest, but there's a really big age gap. I ended up watching a lot of what my parents watched. And a lot of what my parents watched were older shows show British sitcom shows meant for older people but appropriate for my age still for the most part went over my head if it was inappropriate and I, I don't know if because of that I found the Disney Channel too cheesy or what but even when I was the age group it annoyed me so I did not like this movie because I was annoyed the whole time at how dumb it was coming off to me. I just wanted them to act more like their age. I have teenage nieces. Are teenagers the best and brightest in the world? I mean, who, what age group is the best and brightest? You know, we all have things going on, but teenagers are not as dumb as they seem in the movie to me. And Well, I feel like the teenagers in this movie, they weren't as, I don't feel like they made dumb decisions or did, I feel like they didn't do anything. Yeah, you exactly. know, they didn't do anything. Like, I was wanting them to do something the entire movie, and they never did. That was part of the problem. Max and Allison and Danny and Thackeray did stuff in the first movie, you know? And, and I think one thing for storytelling is that a trap that you can fall into is the story happening to your protagonist versus your protagonist making decisions that affect the plot. And I feel like that is the difference between one and two, especially, is these three protagonists. I mean, it's an it's an interesting story. She finds out she's a witch. And, you know, you have the teenage drama of these three best friends who lose sight of their one friend because she has a boyfriend. And that's like real, you know, that's real drama. But honestly, everything happens to Becca. Like, they don't really make decisions. They they get tricked into doing the black flame candle. They don't do it on their own. They get shoved in the basement and like they try to call Cassie, but the spell doesn't work. And then um, the other girl comes up with the, the way to get out, the way to break the spell. And then 
they just kind of run around following the witches everywhere. Like, the only decision that they make is to, like, they take them to Walgreens. They trap them with salt. But then what they do nothing. <laughs> like, they, they, they have no other decision, like, that affect the plot. Like, the whole Walgreens scene absolutely does not affect the plot in any way. No, like, not at all. It's just annoying. And it was kind of... Uh, I didn't. I know it's not really what what the labels said they were. I'm sure they gave them edible things in those bottles for them to eat and drink, but it was still just kind of gross to watch that. the The only time I was really rooting for them and that it felt like the first hocus pocus in any way was when they trapped them in the garage and they were running around them with salt. And I said, okay, now they're gonna do something, and then I just leave them there in the circle of salt. With their dad in the house, the dad that they've been trying to get out in the house. They're not even keeping a close eye on them. They just leave them there. Yeah, they just leave so that they can't be bewitched. So passive. And then Cassie's boyfriend, when Cassie gets kidnapped, the the girls kind of, they immediately start running to try and find Cassie. And he gets stays behind because he's in shock. Mm-hmm. And then he sees headless and we- zombie body and he faints. And I, he, he's so, he, they, they make him very dumb. They make him very dumb. So can we talk about him? Because yes, I really liked the Cassie's boyfriend. I thought he was very fun when I saw him at the very beginning when he's kind of talking to her friends and it's like, everybody's coming. Even this one kid who's a vampire, like he's dressed as a vampire. And he's like, I don't remember what his name was. Even, but yeah, I liked like the boyfriend, and they tried to the boyfriend. And then, and then, like they, when they're finally making up, and like the boyfriend's there after the boy, because the boyfriend gets tricked into showing the witches where Cassie lives, and so Cassie's there with her boyfriend, and that's when they kind of all of their drama comes to a head, and cat and Cassie's like, I kept trying to invite you guys, and they're like, Why would we? And you kept ghosting me, and they're like, No, you ditched us because of your boyfriend. Why would we want to hang out with someone who makes fun of us? And the boyfriend's like. I didn't make fun of you. And they're like, yeah, you did. And he's like, what? I call you witches and say that's weird because you carry around weird colored rocks and say witchy things, <laughs> you know, like that's you weird. And I think it's weird, but it's fine. Like, and they're like, that is making fun of us. Like that is making fun of us. And he's like, it is it. pointing out people's differences and saying they're weird is making fun of us. And, it's, and he is like so shocked to know this. And I just, I have such a problem with that we've talked about it before that I really don't like people victimizing themselves when they're not meant, you know, like taking offense when offense isn't meant really bothers me. And the fact that this boy has the revelation of, Oh my gosh, I need to apologize to these people. Yet the girls don't have a revelation of, Oh, he didn't have any mean intentions. He was just, he didn't know, like he didn't realize that it was hurting our feelings when he called us witches, which they are witches. Like that's the whole point of the movie is that they find out that they're witches anyway. But, like, they don't have any realization that they misjudged him. You know what I mean? Like, he he has the realization that he shouldn't have called them weird because that hurt their feelings. They should have had a realization that he was not trying to hurt them. And it was everybody's fault. You know, like, they didn't have that. It, it's, all, it's all the boyfriend's fault. Everything is the boy's fault. And it's like, no, he was just funny and nice and, like, didn't realize that when weird people get called weird, that it would hurt their feelings. You know, like that's a perfectly logical leap because I feel like, so in my high school, there was a boy 
that I knew pretty well, <laughs> he dressed up as a hobbit every day. Literally. He wore like no shoes, but they had to have shoes. So he had like these shoes that were made out of tires. He wore the robe. He had the whole outfit on, hair long, looked like a hobbit, wore that every single day. Do you think he got offended when people called him weird? No. Like, because he was dressed as a hobbit. Like, if you're dressing as witches, if you have like a ritual where you go out in the woods and light candles and say witchy things, like, when someone calls you a witch because you're acting like a witch, don't be offended. And I hate that they didn't bring that up and they didn't show that and they didn't say it. it was just like, oh, he's such a jerk because pointing out people's differences and calling them weird is bullying. And it's like, no, there are actual bullies in the world. There are actual people who want to hurt you, who want to humiliate you, who have intentions of making you feel bad about yourself. Those are bullies, people who have the intention of hurting you. And those people really do exist. So the fact that you're blaming this kid who clearly has no idea what he, that he was hurting you for being like that, it just, it sends such a stupid message <laughs> you know like it just bothers me that they didn't have any real because I was thinking like oh he has a realization that yeah that was kind of rude of him to say good and then I'm like waiting for the girls to be like you didn't realize like that that was bad and the one girl says you really didn't know that that was a bad thing and but then nothing yeah. like it's just make it's just making fun of his intelligence it's not her having a realization of oh you didn't mean to hurt us well Thanks. I, I didn't know that that you were okay with me being weird. I just thought you were being mean and calling me weird. Like, nope. All the boys' fault. <laughs> Everything is the boys' fault. I have a lot of trouble with this movie's messages in general. I really, really do. Especially as someone who I am, I have two girls. I have two daughters. Even if I had sons, I'd be worried about this message because. It would have exactly, like you said, it would have been so great to have a scene where he realizes, oh, I was doing something to hurt them, even though that wasn't my intention. It hurt them. And so I'm going to apologize and in the future be more mindful not to do that. And then for them to realize, oh, he really didn't realize that hurt our feelings. And he seems genuine about it and very sorrowful. Well, okay, that's all in the past. Now we know that he was just trying to be friends and that was his way of being friends and we can have I feel as though that would would be what would happen in real life between people who have common sense and compassion and just general not scriptedness they never said hey we don't like being called that or please no. don't call us that or you know like they had never said that before they just and ghosted. so when they realized they just it ghosted all each other cast they thought cassie was ghosting them they ghosted cassie it was just a really big awkward i hate the type of drama that's all just one big mis miscommunication because no one says what they think or what they feel or anything they just assume the intentions of another person exactly and that's what it was and and it would have been such a great message of you know, when like that bullying can also just be a miscommunication. You know what I mean? Like there are actual bullies, but sometimes if somebody hurts your feelings, tell them that they hurt your feelings. And if they keep doing it and they don't care and they're mean about it, then yeah, those are bullies. Those are people that you can avoid. Those are people that you can report. Those are people that you can ghost. Do you know what I mean? But when, but someone, tell someone, when you tell someone, hey, that hurts my feelings. Please don't do that. And then they are, they apologize or they stop doing it. Like that is 
that's a that's a normal person <laughs> you know that's not a bully that's a miscommunication oh it just that 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 scene <laughs> it's so you know, it's so ruined weird. it for me you know that scene that scene definitely ruined it and what's so weird is the first hocus pocus has more i was i'm gonna say graphic for lack of a better word it is more graphic than the second one but it's still i think appropriate for children i watched it as a child and i'm fine you know what they don't do in the first one they don't explain what a virgin is they don't hold back from the evil objects they don't hold back from the witches literally worshiping the devil they have the whole thing at this guy's house who they think is the devil and calling him master and asking oh it's a torture chamber and they don't hold back from max's uh wanting to make out with allison and pretending the pillow is allison and danny being an annoying little sister they don't back off of anything that's realistic in life but it's still a fun kids movie because the witches are entertaining and in the end good win- wins and it's not they don't swear or they do it's very little i don't remember any swearing but there might be a little bit of it there's no graphic blood or anything the cat gets run over but you don't see it you just see a deflated cat and then it inflating once again like a balloon well and bullying happens in the first movie real bully bullying. they steal his stuff they almost beat him up and they're grabbing kids candy and throwing it in the air and like terrifying children and literally stealing from people those are bullies those are people that you can be mad at (laughs) not somebody who calls you weird and witches when you literally act like witches and want to be like witches and then end up being witches (laughs) and like so the thing so that's the first movie right the first movie doesn't shy away from reality yet it's still kid appropriate the second movie is trying so hard to be kid appropriate they dumb things down thinking that that would make it child appropriate and i would rather my my two girls watch the first movie and learn the lessons from that than ever watch the second movie and think anything from take anything from the second movie because it dumbs down what you can be offended at just like you said if someone hurts your feelings it was it was so you go from the first movie where max literally has stuff stolen from him these kids are a terror to someone saying oh yeah you're you carry around crystals that's weird guess what carrying around crystals is weird if you're going to be a person that does weird stuff you have to acknowledge that it's weird you know what i do i sing out loud at random moments and sometimes don't notice that's weird people have told me that's weird i am okay knowing that i do this weird thing and i'm not offended when someone says it's weird because i know it is out of the normal weird means out of the normal out of the major what the majority of people in society do majority of people in society do not go out and practice witchcraft or carry around crystals for good luck for tests so it is weird and he wasn't saying it, pointing and mocking and laughing and knocking their school books out of their hands. So it was very stupid, in my opinion, to have them be so, have that be a huge conflict in the movie, especially compared to the first one. And also, they dumb down, they actually have a child ask, What's a virgin? And they give a child friendly explanation Oh, it's someone who, uh, who has never lit a candle. You know, wink, wink for the people who know what it actually is, but. You know, safe enough for the kids. You know what? They never even explained it in the first movie. You know what? Also, is is very rarely explained to children. Yet children know about it if they grow up Christian. The Virgin Mary. Yeah. You know, like it was a. I was like, oh, Virgin, like the Virgin Mary. Okay, la 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 la. As a child, 
And it just dumbing something down does not make it child friendly. In my opinion, a lot of the times it makes it the opposite. I do not want my children watching dumbed down things for them. I want them watching appropriate content, content that does not terrify them, that does not expose them to things or seeing look seeing things that is beyond the maturity to comprehend and be able to digest. I don't want them to have nightmares or PTSD from stuff that they watch. But I also want them to know the realities of the world at age-appropriate times. This movie is weird in that it's so dumb. I, my three-year-old actually requested to watch it. I tried to watch it separately from her, but she saw it and she's like, Oh, Sparkly Witch, I want to watch this one. And she sat down and enjoyed it. She's three. This was, that. that's the level yeah. at which... <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense that a three-year-old would enjoy it, and I, and I'm not knocking anybody who does enjoy it or anything like that. I but... hope I'm not coming off that way either. I really don't. I just I don't like that when but everybody. Make... But everybody has their own opinion, and if you don't, I mean, and then you even said you don't like the Disney Channel style of acting, and if you don't like the Disney Channel style of acting, then you're not going to like this movie. Period. I know, I <laughs> because so much of it is that. So I don't know. I I I don't like where a lot of children's entertainment has gone because I feel one that it's dumbing it down, which children are not dumb. Age appropriate is okay. Dumb is not, in my opinion, at least not the way well, that they're doing I- it now. It's also giving all these these villains these tragic, dramatic backstories and showing if only you know they have an opportunity they can turn around. And again, that's not always what you're going to face in life. You're going to face, especially if you're a girl, because I don't think I've ever met a guy who's had this before. You're going to have frenemies. You're going to have people. You're going to have legit bullies in life. You're going to go out into the world and people are going to be cruel, maybe in the workplace or something. You need to know that that exists beforehand because otherwise what happens when you meet it is you're going to be completely blown back everything you thought you knew about the world is going to be blown up and you're going to be you're going to legitimately be traumatized from that because it destroys what you thought the world was like i think it's a well, then- quote said we must have fairy tales so some, I'm butchering it, but he said something about let's teach our children fairy tales with dragons so that when they face the dragons in the real world, they know they can overcome them. It's something to that effect. I have, I, yeah, I completely agree. And I think, I mean, we're getting really philosophical with this, but I think something that we see, like, if these kids in this movie had to deal with something real <laughs> I don't feel like they could handle it you know what no. I mean like the if the witches from the first movie had met these three girls I don't think they would have won you know no, not at all. that is the difference I think the fact and and I think that if the witches from this movie had been in like had met Max and Allison and Danny I think that the witches from this movie would have not lasted an hour <laughs> against Max and Allison and Danny. You know what I mean? Like completely, like it's kind of like a caricature of the old witches and of the old movie. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I think, I, I think we've kind of made our point of what we think of this movie and, and the fact that it's really not, 
I mean, I don't, I don't mind it because I just think it's fun and entertaining and I, I don't know. It's like a, it's like a, when we were kids, <laughs> the like return of Jafar or, um, I'm trying to think of all the sequels, Jungle Book 2, like whatever, all of those, those, yeah, those sequels that went straight to video and, you know, they weren't, they weren't the best animation. They weren't the best story and they weren't really canon. You know, they didn't really put the story anywhere. That's kind of how I feel with this one is it's, it is very much sequel material and it doesn't take away. Luckily it doesn't take away from the character's, uh, the human characters in the original, because I think that would have made me sadder. <laughs> I know that they wanted to get those actors, but they couldn't. And I just think if Danny had showed up and like been in this world, I would have, it's kind of like seeing um, what's her name who played Mulan's voice in the Mulan movie. And you're just like, Oh, Oh, that hurts my heart because <laughs> you know, like this is fantastic. The live action yeah, the was not. was so horrible. And seeing her in the live action movie was just like, ooh, like, it's kind of like, get that, get that poor little innocent thing out of there. <laughs> you know, like, um, so anyway, if you are looking for a fun Halloween movie that has absolutely nothing to offer except for entertainment, I would recommend this. If you want any sort of nuance or good storytelling, good characterization, actually feeling the emotional moments, making the funny moments literally uh, natural and coming off as genuine, I would recommend the first movie. (laughs) And I would not recommend the second. You need to be a fan of the Disney Channel School of Acting in order to enjoy this movie. Which I, I just, we've established, I'm very much not. I feel as though I come off as snobby and I really don't mean to. I just, it's, it's, it's like everyone has at least one actor that is hard for them to watch because of their style. They could be a good actor, but their style kind of rubs you the wrong way. Christian the Disney Bale. Channel style of acting is that style <laughs> for me. I'm sure everyone in this movie is a very good actor. I know they're all very good actors. And if they were not directed that way, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. I just have one more thing, one more qualm about the movie I want to get in about the end. Gilbert, who made two black can- black, black flame candles using the book that we've said several times was made by the devil, bound in human skin, and is evil. He just gets off. He brought back the Sanderson sisters for all intents and purposes. He planned this on purpose. And he just gets off scot-free at the end. They're not even a little upset at him. They're just like, hey, no more candles, right? Huh? Huh? Are you not upset that he quite literally put your lives in danger and the lives of a bunch of people in Salem? No, because they were never actually in danger because none of the witches' threats <laughs> seemed even slightly realistic at all. That just really and bugged me. There should be consequences to your choices. That That was the stakes, you know? is the fact that there like there was no stakes. He had no consequences because nobody was hurt. Nobody was in danger of getting hurt. Like Max had part of his soul sucked out. Danny was kidnapped several times. Um Billy was cursed to awake for um he she literally killed Billy, but like and sewed his mouth shut so that he couldn't tell everybody that they only actually kissed once. <laughs> and like like those are 
tragic things that happen to people. In this one, what tragic thing did Winnie do? What did she, who did she hurt in this movie? No one. No one. So Gilbert brings them back. Yeah, like Gilbert bringing them back had absolutely no effect on anyone at all, other than the fact that it got the three little girls back together and that one chick found out she was a witch. Which I guess you'd be happy at Gilbert for being like, hey, if it wasn't for you, I would have never known I was a witch. The end. <laughs> like That's why he gets off scot-free because nothing happened. Because there are no stakes. Because nobody remembers that these are murderers. Nobody brings up the fact that Billy is a zombie because she murdered him. She poisoned him. And then sewed his mouth shut. And no one brings up the fact that... Oh my gosh, I just had it. I just had it and now I've forgotten it. No one, but no one brought up. Oh, that's going to bug me now. Don't you hate that? You have the thought and then as soon as you start talking, trying <laughs> to get it out, it leaves and you're just stuck in the middle of a sentence wondering what you were going to say. Oh, that happens to me all the time. We ha- we talked about this on the podcast about how I'm getting better though. <laughs> I am getting better. Must have passed it on to me because I am just sitting here trying to remember what was I going to say. <laughs> okay, we were. Ta- I'm gonna figure it out. Well, I'm gonna try and figure it out. If I don't in a minute, I'll I'll leave it. But we were talking about things that they don't bring up or that they f- kind of forget to mention. Why he's a zombie, and then it was. Yeah, they sewed his <laughs> mouth shut. so good. Oh, it was. I put this on our Instagram and Facebook as our trivia facts about our Hocus Pocus, around Hocus Pocus to promote our podcast about it. In the first one, they actually made a pocket that they put in the actor who plays Billy's mouth so that when he cuts his mouth open, real moths fly out. They actually had someone there with like tweezers putting moths in one by one and they cut the tiniest little hole in the back of the pocket and near his throat smaller than the moss but large enough that he could cough air through and then they would they glued his mouth shut ran out of the frame and then they immediately did the shot where he cuts it open moss fly out and then he coughs all that that big puff of air out yeah that was one take they did not do it more than (laughs) i wouldn't want to do it more than once i don't care if there is a pocket lining my mouth but you go from stuff like that to just what we had in this movie i i don't it's not that the, i'm not talking about effects special effects there's no sympathetic characters there's it's like it's like a stupid teenage drama movie with witches which that's fine if that's what you want but I feel like calling it Hocus Pocus 2 and having the Sanderson sisters in it um, was just a money grab because this wasn't this wasn't the same. No, I I really love the Sanderson sisters, especially from the first one. I didn't like their song choices for them in this movie. The the one they um, the song they sing on stage, the one way or another. Which, by the way, they also sing in Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> That's where I first heard that song. 
Yes, they do. I've I've been binge watching Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I'm on season six, near the end of season six now. Although I did skip most of season three. I just I uh, I couldn't do it. I remembered parts of it and I just was not feeling it. So I just I watched like the first two or three episodes of season three and then went to four when she's in college. But anyway, they do sing so- songs in Sabrina. She has a lot of musical guests that come. Sometimes they make her sing. They have Usher be the love doctor one episode. <laughs> uh, but they do sing um, when her and Harvey and Valerie are in a band. They yes. sing one way or another. Yeah. That was the first time I had ever heard. And she makes um, she makes them all drink uh, liquid talent. So they're super, super good. And then she has to let it go flat. And then they sing it with their own talent. And it's horrible. <laughs> that song was from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Just just another little crossover there. It's fine. And at the very end of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, that, that same episode... At the very end, they had the Backstreet Boys on. They would take a sip of the talent soda, and then they became the Backstreet Boys. There you go. <laughs> but, yeah, I didn't like the song choices they had for them. It lacked. Again, I love Bette Midler. I really do. She sang it wonderfully. She performed it wonderfully. But it didn't have the same punch as I Put a Spell on You did in the first film. And also... Well, because that sense. <laughs> yeah like it, it, I don't know yeah I really I I'm sorry I I feel as though I've come off very snobby and very hateful I just I really didn't appreciate this movie because I think I I really enjoyed the first movie it's a tradition of mine it's a movie I'm okay with my children growing up watching and this one I'm not so much just because what message is it sending my kids? And it's my job as the parent, along with my husband, who's their dad, it's our job to teach kids lessons and to keep them safe and to keep them, get them prepared for the world. It's not media's or entertainment's job to do so. However, I want as little contradicting messages as possible because they're going to be like, well, what about this? Well, that movie, but I like that movie. What do you mean that movie is not accurate or true or the characters were dumb you know what I mean it's a lot harder when something that they do like me like if they really like Hocus Pocus too and I'm gonna have to tell them you know if someone insults you talk to them and if they say sorry and stop doing it then they didn't bully you they just hurt your feelings by accident and then apologize and you know it's a whole thing instead of the first movie where they realize what real bullying is where they straight up show it they oh, steal yeah. his shoes like you see them like literally terrorizing kids with candy and and like throwing away their stuff and then i mean and it's like yeah they get their comeuppance where they get stuck in cages and stuff and who knows what happens to them but like the whole point of it is that they didn't shy away from the fact that he was getting bullied yeah. He was for real getting bullied, and that sucks. And he was not fitting in because he didn't want to believe in Halloween or, he, you know, like, I don't know. There's a whole message to it. There's a whole coming-of-age story to it. This one is dumbed down. <laughs> so, anyway, so I think that that's, that's our consensus yeah. on this movie is that it was dumbed down. And if um, 
I mean, and I know that there's some questionable stuff in the first one, like yaboos and and all that. (laughs) I I get that. And so, I mean, everybody has to make their own choices, especially with their own children. But I, I think that just because it's dumber doesn't necessarily mean that it's better for your children. So that's, that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I didn't hate this movie, but I also don't love Hocus Pocus 1. I really like it. I think it's a great film. But um, I didn't, I mean, I watched it when I was a kid and I liked it, but it, it, the hype that it has got in recent years, I don't feel like that, you know, <laughs> like, it's just one of many Halloween movies that I enjoyed. And I was never obsessed with it. And so for me watching this, I'm just like, well, this is kind of dumb, you know, but it, it doesn't insult me personally. It's kind of like when you read the book and then you watch the movie and you're like personally insulted because they didn't do it right. Um, I didn't feel that for this because I was like, one, I was expecting it. Um, and two, I didn't have that, that same connection. I was just like, this is dumb. Yep. That's exactly what I thought it would be. And that's what it was. That's kind of like when you and I review, we've talked at I think we've mentioned this before. We reviewed a couple movies that were based off video games and we liked the movies, but we don't know. I have never played the video games they're based off of. (laughs) So we're over here like, oh, it was great. Whereas everybody who liked the video games were personally insulted that the movie based off the game they love was so not what they were expecting, not what they were hoping for. So I, I, I don't think I'm obsessed with Hocus Pocus 1. I'm maybe a notch or two above you. I'm a notch or two above you for sure, but I'm not obsessed. I do have other favorite Halloween movies I like to watch or Halloween themed movies I like to watch. I just, I just, but I think I like it a little bit more than you. And that's why I'm a little bit more passionate about my review of the sequel. <laughs> well, and you also don't like that style, which is fine. And I do like that style. I don't, okay. I don't like that style. (laughs) I can put up with that style and I like it when I need mindless television. (laughs) You know, like if I've had a long day of writing or something where my brain is kind of fried, watching Mm -hmm. shows like that is very entertaining because I don't have to think. (laughs) And before, like with Hannah Montana or Lizzie McGuire or whatever, like those shows, they didn't have stupid messaging that I really am annoyed with and hate and, and things. They just had stupid plots and stupid ideas and that went awry, you know? And so it, and I took the acting like as if I'm watching a play and that really helped me. Cause I'm like, if they were on a stage, this acting would not bother me at all because this is how you act on a stage because you have to be larger than life. You have to be bigger. And so it makes sense to me that, um, that you're acting this way. And so that really helped me watch the kitty shows when I was like babysitting. And then I got into them myself. I'm not going to lie just to like watch mindless television, but you have to, like, I have to think of them as these people are on a stage and they're playing to an audience rather than this is a, a TV show or a movie that is meant to be real life that I'm watching someone's real life. You have to kind of disassociate that. The problem with this movie is that the first one was a real life. You were watching someone's real life and it just so happened to have supernatural witches and things like that. This one is a, a play that people put on, <laughs> you know, because people wanted more in the Hocus Pocus world, you know. So that makes sense. When my, when my daughters get to the age of wanting to watch 
cheesier shows i'm gonna have to think of it like a play because you're right that is how you act in in plays it would have come off a lot better on stage because again you don't have a camera right in your face you have to be able to exaggerate i'm gonna take that piece of advice for in the future when my daughters watch get out of mickey mouse and start watching other stuff yeah (laughs) well anyway so uh do you have anything else you want to say about this movie before we close up I, if you like it, I'm all in all support of it. Anyone listening out there, I really hope you don't think I hate people who like who like this. I just not my You're cup of tea. Boy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my cup of tea, but if you like it, you're free to do so. You're free to disagree with anything and everything we say in comments on any of our social media or Patreon. We won't get offended. <laughs> we know what real bullying looks like. So if you're just disagreeing respectfully with us, that's perfectly fine. And yeah, let us know what movie you want us to review next, I guess, because after Halloween, the next holiday is Thanksgiving. Let us know if there's any good Thanksgiving themed movies. Yeah, absolutely. We will definitely do Thanksgiving themed movies. Let us know. Um, what your favorite Halloween traditions are. Just talk to us on any of our social medias. We have a Facebook, which is Your Little Sisters Productions. We have Instagram, which is also Your Little Sisters Productions. We have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Flake, which has the YouTube channel and this podcast. They're both $5 a month. You get extra goodies like exclusive uh, episodes and things like that. And uh, you can also reach out to us here on Anchor. <laughs> and youtube that's the one and and you can reach out to us on youtube you can leave comments um if you are a patron of ours that does give you access to email us so you can talk directly with us uh, about any of the things we talk about on the podcast i think that's everything (laughs) my name is taya my name is laura bye bye